the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right. Welcome back. Hour number two here on the Tuesday edition of Lifeline. And uh, this is probably one of the more critical topics we're going to talk about for a long time because it impacts potentially every one of us living in the state of California. And as we've learned from some of the fire activity in the 2018 and 2017 fire seasons, um, this doesn't really matter how safe you think you are, where you think you live, what kind of a plan you think you have. Uh, We're all vulnerable. We saw that in the fires in Southern California, that embers were carried for miles and suddenly neighborhoods that were no longer, nowhere near rather, immediate fire zone regions suddenly had a conflagration on hand. We saw that even for those that have been around for a while in 96, oh, it's a few years ago, but the Oakland-Berkeley Hills fire, where you had years of old growth timber in a densely populated region with windy streets and difficult access to firefighting apparatus that ended up claiming lives and destroying tens of hundreds of millions of dollars worth of property. In California, I guess the question of the next major wildfire is not if or when. And a lot of that, as we're about to learn, is really our own fault. Uh, Discounting for the moment the crazies out there who, as arsonists, bring about some of these events intentionally... Um, Their behavior, coupled with accidents and Mother Nature, combined with recent attitudes toward the question of fire prevention versus fire containment, have all been contributory to the disasters that California has seen over the last two years. Joining us, Lawrence McQuillan, Senior Fellow and Director of the Center on Entrepreneurial Innovation at the Independent Institute He's authored a new report, which is a stunning look at where we have been historically, where we're at today, and where we might be headed if we fail to take the proper and appropriate action to the question of California wildfires that's kind of boiling down to two, two approaches, prevention or containment. And we know, of course, containment means that's once it gets started. And as we've learned from last year, the year before, containment is, always, is not always as easy as we would hope. Lawrence, thank you for taking time to be with us today. I know that uh, your your study and this report is probably one of the more comprehensive one that really takes a look at not just the events of 2017, 2018, but most importantly, some of the changes in attitude um, that kind of led us to here. Give us first, if you would, kind of your your overview as as you've studied what happened the last two years. Uh, where where do we kind of lie uh, lay lay accountability for all this? Where who's responsible? Well, it's great to be with you, Craig. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, in the past, wildfires used to be seen as something that happened in very remote areas, and it didn't really concern us uh, city folks or town folks um, but that's everything's changed in the last few years and now wildfires are something that is top of mind for a lot of people in California and also on the west what uh, in the western states of the United States um, so it's really become much more pressing urgent concern of people and the the way that we got to where we're at today is basically for decades, if not roughly about a century, the forests, both the state-owned and the federal-owned, have been mismanaged. Um, Environmental groups, especially the more radical fringes of environmentalism, has captured these agencies and captured their rulemaking and prevented the sensible forest management, thinning, prescribed burns um, that's necessary 
to make sure these wildfires that you know happened in the past, but today they turn into mega fires, and it's all due to rules and regulations that have prevented sensible forest management over the years, and also restricted what private landowners can do on their own land in terms of managing the fire risk. So it all led up to this huge excess fuel loads that we've seen around the state, Uh, more than 150 million dead trees in California, for example, because of the drought and poor uh, management techniques of the forest. Um, And so that led to this huge fuel source that has sparked these mega fires and you know we've just seen horrific loss of life and property damage in the last two years record-breaking levels and a lot of us i i guess from an altruistic standpoint from the environmentalist uh, position is well we're, we're trying to protect forests we've seen what's happened and the the enormous environmental and economic impact of of of, of wanton deforestation in, in places like uh, brazil and elsewhere we certainly don't want that to happen here in our own country uh, we recognize the importance and value of being able to cut down trees i mean it provides homes provides jobs all of that and, and, and yet, uh, it, it seems as if that desire to want to be protective has actually swung the pendulum so far over in the other direction that instead of protecting the forest, they're making them more vulnerable. Help us understand how and why that is. Right. Yeah, it's really gone from the point of view where we're stewards of the forest to now, after the radical environmentalists have captured these organizations, these federal and state local government organizations, now it's more about preservation of the forest in their, quote, natural state. So you can't do anything to it because it's seen as man intervening unnecessarily into the natural processes of the forest. But as we know, fire is a natural process. I mean, it's for centuries, millennial. That's how forests rejuvenate themselves is through periodic burnings. Um, and we've prevented most of that from happening over the last um, 50 to 100 years in our forests. Uh, keep in mind, I mean, California is more than 50% owned by federal and state government in terms of the land area. So, um, so what the government decides to do with the land is vitally important in terms of what can be done um, in terms of proper forest management because they own so much of California, which I think is another huge problem. Yeah, it is, uh, and and uh, the, you know when you, when you look at the the numbers here, whether there's something about uh, along the lines of 100 million acres of um, of uh, forest lands in the uh, the state of California, and of that, uh, well over half is owned by mm-hmm. the federal government. Yeah, about 60 percent of forest land is owned by the government, and then of course, Cal Fire oversees fire control, fire prevention on the state own land and then for the most part and then on the federal owned land it's the u.s forest service and both of those organizations have put rules in place that prevent just standard common sense forest management techniques like thinning forests and eliminating undergrowth and um, taking out the dead trees all of this has been prevented prescribed burns things like that that um, have been used for centuries to properly maintain forest health but have been prevented by rules at both the four, uh, at the federal and the state local level. You know, California's got a particular additional vulnerability, not only because of our terrain uh, in many of these forest areas, but also because of our climate. And uh, certainly multiple years of drought, uh, very contributory to this. But I, I want to come to this issue of forest management. Now, uh, there was much to do about a comment that the president made while he was here on the heels of, I think, the Paradise Fire, where he said, well, you need to get in there and rake the forest, and, and, and if you just rake the forest, that'll fix the problem. Uh, we understand from a technical standpoint that that is uh, a, a very inaccurate, uh, incomplete uh, uh, description of what needs to take place in forest management. When we talk about true forest management, what does that look like that, in a sense, doesn't put the president's remarks that far out of whack? Right. I mean, it, it is a science. I mean, there's actual science to this. 
And it's usually done in actually pretty small um, acreage increments. So, for example, you know, 10 acres or 20 acres of land where you'll send in a crew, um, you'll do what's called mechanical thinning. Um, It's very slow and tedious, but it's actually what is required where you remove the undergrowth, especially the dead undergrowth, and preserve the the stronger, uh, bigger trees. And you open up space. It opens up oxygen. It allows sunlight to permeate the canopy and get down to um, trees better. And it makes the trees overall healthier because right now, for example, um, in the 1800s in California, there was roughly 50 trees per acre. Today, there's upwards of 500 trees per acre wow. because of the for- lack of forest management. And when you have trees that close together, they can't get proper sunlight, proper nutrients, proper water. And that was, is one of the things that's driving this 150 million dead trees in California. And, of course, as the weaker the trees get, the more susceptible they get to um, insects and parasites and beetle, you know, the beetle infestation that's killing a lot of the trees. So a lot of the death of trees by insects is actually due to the lack of forest management because the trees would be healthier if they weren't all competing for the same nutrients. Well, and the, the amount of density not only makes it problematic in terms of allowing fires to take hold, but I imagine from a fire-fighting standpoint on the ground makes it more challenging too, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, and firefighters want to see more management done um, because it does make their job a lot harder. The, the fires grow much quicker. They spread much faster. Their intensity is much stronger. Um, so you can actually prevent or at least contain a lot of these fires quicker if you do proper management in advance. And we saw this up in the, the fire recently a couple months ago near Clear Lake. They had done forest management about five to seven years prior to the fire, I believe, and it really reduced the frequency that or the speed at which the fire spread up there. And the firefighters were commending the Forest Service, this was the National Forest Land, for having done this um, proper forest management because it made their job a lot easier. And how ironic it is, we say, well, we don't want to be tearing down trees needlessly, we need to protect the forests, yada, yada, and not recognizing that the, you know, failure to remove hundreds of trees can potentially result in the loss of tens of thousands of them on the backside. They're coming out one way or another, whether they wind up on the back of a warehouser truck on their way to become lumber or, uh, you know, paper. Uh, they're coming out anyway. The question is, are they coming out in a healthy fashion that's safe for the community and the environment, or are they coming out uh, by force? And it sounds from what you've discovered in this new report that you've just published, uh, really is demonstrated demonstrative of the notion that our efforts at conservation have taken such a swing in the excessive direction that now it's actually backfiring on us. Absolutely. In in the same groups that are complaining about CO2, for example, a forest fire is the worst way to add CO2 and other pollutants to the air, whereas prescribed burns, if you do those, they're very low intensity. They actually release a lot less CO2 and lots less other pollutants into the air. So um, you're much better doing proper management through prescribed burns, which is actually the oldest and cheapest way of managing forests than you are through um, waiting for a megafire to take take over the forest, and then you're, you've, you're burning all sorts of things. And, um, and, and moreover, and I want to talk about this when we come back after a brief break, but the, the, the other issue at hand here is the complete under- um, mismanagement not only of of California forests but of of resources because the look of uh, uh, the cash rather that has been spent on fire suppression as opposed to fire uh, prevention is ridiculous. And the numbers are running three to one or more. They're so far out of whack. And you have to wonder, uh, not only in terms of of saving life, saving property, saving money, saving insurance, saving homes, saving other structures, but also just saving the budget could be done if we took a more proactive approach to fire prevention as opposed to the reactive approach 
approach of fire suppression, which is where we've been at in recent years. If you've just tuned into the conversation, Lawrence McQuillan is with us today, Senior Fellow and Director of the Center on Entrepreneurial Innovation at the Independent Institute. He has just authored a new and alarming report called California Wildfires, Key Recommendations to Prevent Future Disasters. And it is a very damning dissertation on the manner in which we have kowtowed to environmentalists here in our state in an effort to try and, quote-unquote, protect the forest that's actually put the forest at greater risk. We'll talk more about this new report. We'll talk, too, about the numbers that just don't make any sense as this edition of Lifeline continues. Let's get a look at traffic right now, 618 for you from the KFAX Traffic Center, the latest. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Lawrence McQuillan, Senior Fellow and Director of the Center on Entrepreneurial Innovation at the Independent Institute. We're talking about a new report that he's written, an exhaustive report on the events of the last two years and sadly where we'll be headed in the future if we don't wake up. It's called California Wildfires, Key Recommendations to Prevent Future Disasters. One of the alarming things that come out of this report Um, Lawrence, is the fact that we have spent enormous amounts of money on fire suppression and responding to fires. But in comparison to the amount of money that we've invested in fire prevention, I mean, the the numbers just pale in comparison. Why the logic disconnect here? Yeah, you're right. In the last fiscal year, Cal Fire spent nearly a billion dollars on fire suppression but only about 2 to 8%, again, that's 2% to 8% of their budget is spent on fire prevention. It's, it's just a paltry amount of money. And because of that, if you're not doing proper prevention activities, it just sets up the next fire to be even worse because you're not clearing out all the excess fuels that have built up. And then your suppression costs go up even more the next year because the fires are even larger. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't put out fires when they start. Obviously, we should. But we need to radically increase the amount of prevention activities that we're doing to get ahead of this problem so that the next fire season isn't worse than the previous. Um, and, And the plan that I like is to empower local communities and private property owners to be able to do a lot more of this activity themselves and not have to wait for the federal or state government to step in. Or in California's case, oftentimes it requires special waivers of environmental regulations in order to do just sensible things like removing undergrowth of of brush or burning excess fuels. You need permits for all this. And it takes time and delay and money, and as a result, it doesn't get done. Um, so I'm, I'm a big fan of empowering local communities to do a lot more of this. One example is that if you want to do a prescribed burn on your own property in Georgia, you call up a number, you can get a permit in five minutes. In California, it can take five months or more than a year to get the permit and then to find the right window where the air quality management districts will allow you to do the burns. Oftentimes you can have the permit but not be allowed to use it because the air quality management district um, calls it a no burn period so you can't actually do the prescribed burn. But as we just talked about earlier, prescribed burns are far better than having a raging mega fire in your backyard in terms of the air quality. So it makes no sense. It's just, you know, it's just these groups are government organizations are just captive of radical environmentalists, and they do things that just it has no common sense. Well, we should have learned our lesson a year or two years ago. Certainly, when we here in the Bay Area were you're breathing the fumes, not the fumes, with the uh, the smoke from the fires right. in Southern California, 450 miles away, or in Northern California, up in Santa Rosa, 125 miles away, and you know, <laughs> barely can breathe outside because of yeah. it. it's like, guys, you know. Well, what are you really saving here? The other interesting thing, too, is that I don't think any of us who are residents and taxpayers in California would feel sorry for a moment 
for hundreds and hundreds of Cal firefighters to just be sitting back at the fire station all day long with nothing to do. I don't think that their families would feel sorry for them. If you're bored, go learn how to play chess. The alternative is to have them out on the fire lines risking life and limb to try to battle these enormous blazes. And it just seems as if we've got the entire thing backwards here. And I have to wonder... Um, Cal Fire. I mean, I, I don't know if they're they're union or not, but 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 you, you you've got to wonder if people that are the professionals here don't have more to say about this. Yeah, I mean, it would be good if career firefighters would step up and complain more about kind of the crazy incentives and kind of the backwards approach that we're doing here. Unfortunately, I don't hear enough complaints from Cal Fire and kind of the long term veteran. Firefighters, I, I do have some complaints in the report from some that are willing to come forward or other firefighters in other states like Oregon who have experienced something similar. But, um, but I would like to see them more outspoken and champion this notion of getting out in front of this problem and clearing all of this excess fuels before it becomes even harder for them to battle and also puts them in much more in jeopardy of losing their own life or, or being severely injured from these fires, battling them when they become megafires. What did your report find in relationship to culpability and response by utility companies? And I know this is a lot to put on PG&E. They have to operate tens of thousands uh, or more of miles of high-tension lines, transmission lines, all up and down the northern half of the state. Um, It's difficult for them to try and police all of that. And yet, uh, for those of us that have lived in California for any length of time, we know that this is not the only season of drought that we've had. This is not the only time that we've had forest fires. But few of us probably remember a time when so much of this was laid directly at the feet of the utility companies. What did your report find Mm -hmm. about their responsibility? Well, I, I think, I mean, that is a complicated issue because, uh, I mean, I think PG&E would say that they didn't do enough preventative maintenance. But on the other hand, um, the, the rules that are in place for clearing out excess fuels is not helping them any. It's like storing gasoline cans underneath their high-tension uh, energy lines um, if you can't remove that fuel. So in a way, they're also being accused of under-maintaining, but, but also so is the, the national, you know, the U.S. Forest Service, the CAL FIRE, other landowners are prevented from doing kind of the maintenance, preventative maintenance that's required on the ground. So I, I think they're both, you know, everybody has some responsibility here. What I think is more important is going forward to learn from these mistakes, and probably the best approach would be to insulate these um, transmission lines going forward that have sparked some of these fires, because that would help solve at least a big part of the problem. Um, if you insulated the lines, then if a limb touched the line or the lines touched each other because of high winds, um, they wouldn't spark fires like they do today. Um, the other approach would be to underground some of the 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 transmission lines, which is being done primarily in Southern California, San Diego, um, gas and electric, is undergrounding a, a large number of miles of their, their lines in uh, remote national park areas that are really remote and hard to get to if a fire started. So they're doing um, some undergrounding. Undergrounding is very expensive, though, not only to underground it, but also if there's a problem, you have to repair a line. It's much more expensive to dig it up and, and to do the repair. So that's the biggest impediment to undergrounding the power lines. But there's a lot of states that have done a lot more in terms of undergrounding. That's maybe something we should look at in probably the more um, fire-prone areas that are also more remote maybe and hard to get to. Um, that might be a, a solution. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's – in a PG&E and other utilities are responsible for maintaining the area around their lines. I think we all would agree that's important to do. But also, you, we, the other part of it, though, is we, we need to make sure that the fuels underneath are eliminated so that if a line does come down or a spark does come down, that there's less there to set off another fire. 
If folks want to see a copy of this report, and everybody should send it out to every newspaper editor up and down the state and members of their uh, their respective branch of the Senate or the Assembly, where can they get a copy of this? It's on our website, independent.org, and um, it's part of our California Golden Fleece Award series that I direct. And every quarter we issue a new report on spotlighting some sort of waste, fraud, and abuse of of taxpayer money or programs that break the public trust. Um, the next one is going to be on housing and homelessness. That's coming out soon. So um, we'd like to tackle the biggest issues in California. Wow. Well, certainly, uh, you know, dealing with issues like that here, you could do that uh, that award probably every week <laughs> or, or more often, perhaps. Uh, folks can get a copy of this new for- report, California Wildfires, Key Recommendations to Prevent Future Disasters, online at independent.org. It's not real techie. It just gets into brass tax details that can easily be read by anyone and everyone here in California that's near a tree has good cause to be concerned. Lawrence McQuillan, Senior Fellow and Director of the Center on Entrepreneurial Innovation at the Independent Institute, thank you for being with us. Information about this particular report online at independent.org. That's independent.org. 631, we get a look now at traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. See if this sounds familiar. You've worked hard to support your family your entire life. You've been a good steward and saved up money. Unfortunately, just not enough to meet your retirement needs or fulfill dreams like paying for a child's education debt-free, taking your spouse on that trip of a lifetime, or maybe even starting your own business. And for years, all Wall Street has told you is, give your money to us, we'll show you how to make money. Yeah, well, somebody's making money all right. I think it's the guy that's making the huge commissions. Ironically, some so-called Wall Street investment strategies assure that your broker is making money even when you aren't. And even when the markets are down and you're actually losing money, your broker is still making money off of you. Wow. So what's the solution? Well, you could work a lot harder, take on a third part-time job, maybe put your five-year-old to work, or cancel the cable, phone, and internet service. Yeah, like that's going to happen. Or you could learn how to work smarter by putting your money to work for you. Now, there's an idea. Joining me in studio today is Lance Strauss, Senior Instructor with Online Trading Academy. And Lance, great to have you with us today. Pleasure to be here. Wow. You know, we hear about people making tons of money on Wall Street, but how come it only seems to be those holding brokers or security licenses? Well, that's what Wall Street would like to have you believe, that they're the only ones that know what they're doing. And what we do at Online Trading Academy, and I'm from the San Jose office, by the way, uh, what we do is provide people with a structured process where they can learn how to extract money safely from the markets uh, and get a higher and safer rate of return on their retirement accounts or generate cash flow to pay bills or pay off bills or, or to be able to provide for the college education for the kids. We watch reports on the news every day about what's happening on the Dow, the NASDAQ. There's analysis that's often provided by so-called experts. I think for a lot of Americans, their their eyes kind of glass over and they think, this is just too complicated for me to learn, and therefore I'm safer if I turn all of my investments to an expert. So for what kind of a person, what, what does a profile look for an individual that says, hey, I'm going to go to an online trading academy class and I'm going to learn how to become financially independent? Well, they've got to be willing to spend the time and take the effort. It's not going to be easy. We don't promise people they're going to get rich overnight. This is a process. And to answer your question, should they do it themselves or should they farm it out to their broker or financial advisor, if someone's not willing to take the time or they don't know what they're doing, they're probably better off leaving it with somebody else, at least then they won't get you know lose too much money. But we have a process. We've been around for 22 years. We actually have a patented, believe it or not, patented trading and investing process, which doesn't guarantee they're going to make money every time, but if it's a process that's designed that if they're wrong in their decision-making process, the amount of money they are going to lose is a relatively small amount. And this patented process has certainly caught the attention of even the experts on Wall Street. Oh, yeah. I understand that New York Stock Exchange, NASDAQ, even the Chicago Mercantile Exchange 
have educational courses that they send their employees to through online trading academy. Right. We we work not only with individuals but with the with the big boys, with the exchanges, with the the major uh, stock market people. We do this all over the world. We have offices in in seven different countries. So over. 50-something offices, you've been at this more than 22 years. What's the average profile look like for the person who says, you know, I like the sense of financial independence. I'm not quite sure how to get there. I do like the idea of taking control over my financial destiny. What kind of time does it take? What's the average person look like demographically? Well, if, if, I, could, if I could boil it down to one group, and there's like several subgroups, I think the typical person we're seeing is between, say, 50 to 60, uh, they're about ready. They think they're about ready to retire. They got three, four hundred thousand dollars in their account, and they're shocked when I tell them that not even close to having enough money to retire. And all of a sudden, they realize that if they lost their job, or if something happened in the economy, or if we go to war with some foreign country, that all of a sudden that three, four hundred grand can disappear in a matter of two or three years. Especially here in the Bay Area, where it's so darn expensive to live. Well, we saw that happen 2008, 2009 for people that were on the cusp of retirement and suddenly saw two-thirds, half of their retirement savings disappear overnight. Literally overnight. Is part of this maybe part and parcel to a fallacy that has been promoted by Wall Street for the longest time? And we, we often hear this. Well, if you want to make money on Wall Street, it's easy. You buy it, you hold it, and eventually you sell it. Buy low, sell high. That's how you fundamentally make money on Wall Street. But that's also an easy way to fundamentally lose money on Absolutely. Wall Street. Absolutely. Everybody thinks buy and hold is the answer, but really what that means is to buy at any price, hold indefinitely, with no plan if it goes up and no plan if it goes down. That's what buy and hold is. It sounds Crazy. more like a, a, a hold and hope. Yeah, buy and hope. <laughs> yeah. And hope's not a strategy either. Yeah, yeah, that's not going to get you very far, is no, it? No, not at all. And, and oftentimes the argument put forward is, well, if you look at the long-term performance on Wall Street, if you go back over the last 40, 50, 60 years, on average, the trajectory with certain blips and bumps sure. in the road, we've seen the Great Depression, we know what happened in the Great Recession, but overall, the trajectory seems to be upward. I guess the question is, if you've got 50 years to recover, if you've got 50 years between now and retirement, maybe that'll work. But what happens if you're only five or 10 years away? Then, then you're in deep trouble and you don't have enough time. Time works against you. And yes, the trajectory has been kind of a straight up, but you ask how many people in their accounts have just made the return of the S&P 500 over the last 10 or 15 years. Very few people have. That's what's scary. On average, this sounds like it's more complicated than what it really is. And to sort of demystify what it's all about, Online Trading Academy offers a free introductory class. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, we, uh, I teach a free introductory class in several locations here in the Bay Area designed for all groups of people, people that are brand new to this and people that have a certain amount of experience. I kind of can adjust the content once I see who's in the room. And it's designed, I look at what these little two, three-hour classes are, kind of an open house for them to see what we do, how we do it, and to see if what we do is a fit for what they want to accomplish. It's a no-pressure environment. And there's no cost or obligation, nope, and uh, classes are constantly taking place. Correct. So if folks want to get more information and sign up to attend one of those free introductory classes, you can simply go online to freeotaclass.com. That's freeotaclass.com. Do you have to have any basic knowledge uh, coming in? And, and some people might think, well, when we're talking about engaging in training, uh, it, does it essentially mean that I'm going to spend the rest of my life reading prospectuses and Wall Street analyses of a given stock to, to learn when to get in and when to get out? No, not, not at all, because none of that works anyway. I mean, the typical way that the average person invests, I hear this all the time, well, I studied this and I studied that and I reviewed P-E ratios and balance sheets and evaluated the company's growth. None of that works. And reading all of that is probably a good cure for insomnia. Exactly. It's, just <laughs> like, it's, not, it's not very exciting. So the most important thing that we have to share with them, which is the basis of our United States patent, and I can give them the patent number when they're at my class, is the only thing we care about, where is Goldman Sachs and all the big boys buying and where are they selling? We don't need to know what they're buying and selling. Okay? We just need to know when they're buying and selling it. And if we can understand those areas of what we call imbalances and what we call supply and demand – 
then we have a much more a bigger chance of being successful than what Wall Street would like you to know. Okay, you've kind of pulled back the cover a little bit here yeah, on I something can't give away all my secrets very <laughs> important, though, because I think it's important that listeners understand that the the average investor investing on their own is going to be pretty much like blindfolding oneself and throwing a dart and hoping that they hit the right stock. What you're suggesting is that there are te- techniques that can be employed that really looks at what the big boys are doing. I mean, yes. who of us wouldn't want to sit down with a hedge fund manager from Wells Fargo or Bank of America or whomever and say, come on, where are you headed? What's going tell on us, Please just tell us. And, and so this is essentially taking a look at some of the technicals going on that give indicators as to where things would be heading, and then you're essentially following the crowd, but you're following the big crowd. Yeah, we don't really look at them as an as indicator. That's that's a, that's a thing that people think. We don't have any magic indicator to do this. We have a process that identifies those price levels where the big boys have unsold, unfilled buy orders or unfilled sell orders. Okay, so you're n- then not essentially looking at things like uh, uh, consumer price index, no. where things are at in relationship Doesn't to inflation. Matter. Doesn't matter. It, we just need to know what what gold, when Goldman Sachs is pulling the trigger. We don't need to know why they're pulling the trigger or when. What we just need to know where. If you've just joined us, our visit today in studio with Lance Strauss. Lance, by the way, is the senior instructor with Online Trading Academy. And right now, they're offering people like you a free introductory class. This is really your chance to learn more about how the big boys make money, and most importantly, how you, too, can gain financial freedom, financial independence. To get more information, go to freeotaclass.com. That's freeotaclass.com. Or call 844-678-TRADE, that's 844-678-8723, to attend and get two free passes to their next class so you can check this all out. And if you call right now, they'll send you home with their professional insider's kit. It's loaded with exclusive investing courses and some of their best lessons from the pros. This is a limited opportunity and seats go quickly, so call 844-678-TRADE. That's 844-678-8723 or visit them online at otaclass.com. 844-678-TRADE or otaclass.com. And the good news is that there's a class, no doubt, very near you, either in San Jose, Pleasanton, or in Foster City. Again, to get more information, go to freeotaclass.com. That's freeotaclass.com. Or call 844-678-TRADE. That's 844-678-8723. One of the fascinating things, I think, to a lot of people who, Lance, get a chance to understand a bit of the inside workings of Wall Street, and that is this notion that the big Wall Street guys make money no matter what direction the markets are headed in. The notion of buy low, sell high fundamentally works, but if you understand where things are headed, you can make money in a market that's going down or even sideways, can't you? Absolutely. And that's what bothers me. If you turn on any of the financial channels on TV, whose name shall go mentionless, is that if the market's up, they're all happy and they're slapping each other on the back and everybody's planning on buying fancy cars. If the market's down, typically all the graphics on the screen are colored red, everybody's talking in hushed voices, and everybody's doom and gloom. What I will share with them exactly, it's a lot easier and faster to make money when things go down. And if they only know how to make money when things are going up, they're missing two-thirds of the opportunity. They're missing making money when things go down and when things go sideways. We can do that, too. And perhaps you're a person who's missing opportunities right, left, up, and down. Because in spite of how hard you've worked and how you've scrimped to save, you just haven't realized your financial goals, be it to take that dream trip of a lifetime with your spouse, maybe to pay a child's education bills, or even prepare for retirement. Well, the good news is you can learn how to obtain financial freedom and do it all on your own with the help of Online Trading Academy. Now, courses are taking place throughout the Bay Area all the time in San Jose, Pleasanton, or Foster City, no doubt very near you. To get more information and to attend your own free class, simply go to freeotaclass.com. That's freeotaclass.com or call 844-678-TRADE. That's 844-678-8723 to attend and get two free passes to their next class so you can check this 
all out. And if you call right now, they'll send you home with their professional insider's kit. It's loaded with exclusive investing courses and some of their best lessons from the pros. This is a limited opportunity and seats go quickly, so call 844-678-TRADE. That's 844-678-8723 or visit them online at otaclass.com. 844-678-TRADE or otaclass.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Personal and financial freedom. That's what we're talking about today. With us in studio is the Senior Instructor for Online Trading Academy in San Jose, Lance Strauss. Lance, how many years have you been doing this now? I've been with Online Trading Academy for 10 years. So folks come in for the free introductory seminar. They learn a bit more about what Online Trading Academy has to offer. And then once they get involved and they actually begin trading for themselves, you've got to hear some pretty amazing stories. Yeah, we've had some amazing things done by people. But one of the things I want to be very clear about, a lot of people say, well, Lance, is this get rich quick? Is this get rich overnight? And it's absolutely not. One of the things people would be surprised to hear me say that this is a difficult skill for most people to learn how to do. It isn't get rich quick, but my mantra is that life's too short to get rich slow. So what they have to figure out is if is this something they can do, want to do, and what is their, their chance of being successful. But it doesn't take a whole lot of effort to take two hours out of your time. Let me hang around with you, listen to what I have to say to see if it's completely free, no obligation, to see if what we do can help them make major changes to their life. And our mission statement of the company is is transforming lives worldwide through exceptional financial education. That's what we do. It's really then about financial freedom, financial independence. Control. And that control not only extends to the choices that you're making, but also there's a tremendous amount of control and financial freedom that's returned back to the individual who isn't reliant upon some third-party, nameless, faceless manager who, as we suggested in the previous segment, is oftentimes making money even when you're losing money. And they do not have your interest at heart. And you got to wonder, where's the money going? I, there was an interesting survey done recently by Forbes. They looked at the compensations of the top hedge fund managers. And in 2018, the top manager earned $2 billion. That's Not all. the fund, <laughs> the manager. And the next top four earned a $1 billion each. So the top five earned $6 billion collectively which says to me there's an awful lot of money being made on Wall Street in the whole fees and commission side of things, and that's actually money that could be going to the individual investors if they only had the knowledge and the wherewithal to engage in investing on their own. Yeah, they have to learn how to do it. I mean, I won't get religious on you, but there's plenty of money out there on planet Earth for everybody to have exactly what they need. One question that perhaps is in the back of the minds of a lot of people Uh, Lance, and that's simply this. We've seen over recent years unprecedented levels of volatility come into the markets. And we know that that volatility can be driven by geopolitical events. It can be a statement made by the president, an action made by the Fed. Um, All of a sudden, news comes out of a major IPO that for some reason goes sideways because in comes a a class action lawsuit. Who Who knows what it is? And suddenly we watch the VIX index just go off the charts. And people look at that and say, that kind of volatility just makes me nervous. I feel like I'm I'm going to Las Vegas and speculating. So is there a way to engage investing where you take out some of that speculation or fear related to the volatility and simply look at the basics? Absolutely. First of all, for a lot of listeners don't know what the meaning of the word volatility or VIX is. So let me take a time to explain that. Volatility basically means uh, seemingly random, wild movements of the stock market or whatever you're looking at up and down. The VIX index is just simply a measurement tool that quantifies what that up and down movement is. And like I said, we don't care what it's doing so long as we can determine direction for a relatively short period of time. And we can profit by that, not only the stock market, but if we have time, we should talk about something called leveraged asset classes which are a way that we can take a relatively small amount of money and have the potential to make a relatively large amount of money without staring at computers all day long. 
Now, that certainly has captured the attention of everybody listening, saying, <laughs> I take a small amount of money and I turn it into a big pile of cash. I like that. Tell me more. Well, well the, uh, everybody knows about the stock market, but very few people know about three other markets called the Forex market, which is foreign exchange currency trading, which measures how the price of one country's currency fluctuates against another country's currency. Uh, there's something called futures trading, which is what I love and which what I trade. A lot of times people turn on the TV, it's 15 minutes before Wall Street opens, and the announcer will say, well, Joe, looks like the market's going to go down because the futures market is down, or it's going to go up because the futures market is up. And I will explain to people how you can take a relatively small account under five grand and have the potential to make a, a nice living out of a small account. And again, at the end of the day, this is not uh, roll the dice. No. This is not traditional buy low, sell high sort of speculation. No. You're really looking at what the big boys are doing. Correct. You're looking at where the institutional dollars are going Correct. and using them as kind of a, a guidance. Yeah, we just we just follow along with them. I mean, we don't have the, the time or the resources to invest to make the decisions that they're making about where they're getting in and out. So we just copy them. At the end of the day, then, Lance, this is really about education as the gateway to financial independence. Right, because be, yeah, everyone has a job, and all of us could be fired at any minute in time. We're all vulnerable. And I had a guy that came in and talked to me just the other day. He's 55 years old. He's a, an engineer, and he's been fired three times. And he says, it's getting harder each time I go back to find another job. And you know you're too old when you go to their job, and all the people working there look like they're 12 years old, but they're actually in their 30s. You know, So so we're all getting older. So unless you take the bull by the horns, you will, you will never have enough time to catch up. I think we can all agree the world of work is changing very dramatically oh, God, yes. between uh, artificial intelligence, robotics, uh, offshoring. I mean, all of it. Certainly the we're working, all replaceable. You know, the working place today looks nothing like it did 20 years ago, and it will look, look nothing probably 10 years hence at the rate uh, of prog- progress as we're seeing it now. Uh, the one steady thing that remains the same, and this is where I think think the, the joy of, of knowledge and the financial freedom that it brings can be such a game changer, and that is that the fundamental ways in which money moves and the markets trade has been the same way for nearly two centuries. And if you can take advantage of an education and apply yourself, you really suddenly begin to realize that there's, there's a real basic difference between working hard and using your money to work well, hard for you. Yeah, what people don't realize is the stock market is never going to fire them. It's never going to lay them off. It's never going to say they're too old or too young. It's always going to be there. And this is what we call job-free income, income that is not dependent upon anybody else but your brain of financial markets. And that's what everybody needs. And, and could this really run the gambit of somebody who says, look, Lance, I'm not looking to necessarily plan my future retirement here. I just want to have a little bit of cash available because I've got an expensive hobby. I like to restore vintage cars, or uh, my wife and I really love to travel. And we just like to have a little extra cushion here for more play money. Can it run the gambit from that to people that say, no, I'm really serious about this. I want to grow that nest egg because we recognize it's getting harder to depend upon Social Security. We realize that a higher percentile of money needs to come out of our own nest egg upon retirement, rising cost of living, housing, especially in the Bay Area, health care, things of this sort, and so that you can really obtain the additional cushion necessary for financial freedom at retirement, too. Sure. Really so some people, that, yeah, some people say, I just want to learn a little bit of extra money for this, that, or the other. Some people say, you know, I just lost my job. I've got to do something. You know, and I had a guy just just a couple of days ago. He was seventy. He says, "Okay, I'm retired now." And he says, "I've got seven hundred thousand dollars to my name. I don't have enough money." And he's right. So if you think you have a half million or seven hundred thousand, you don't have enough money. Surprise. So the time is now, and this is the best time to start knowing. Start knowing now, start learning now, and then put that knowledge to work to gain your own sense of financial freedom and financial independence. It can start by simply attending an introductory free class at Online Trading Academy. And again, you can take advantage of classes that are available throughout the San Francisco Bay Area in San Jose, Pleasanton, or Foster City. Absolutely no cost or obligation. And last, when you teach the classes down in San Jose, what do folks expect to learn? When they come in, what, what's that experience going to look like? It's going to be a, a two-hour class. I know sometimes that people think it's going to be three hours. I'm not sure why, but we've made it down to two hours because everybody's so darn busy doing everything. 
the, the first part of it, we're going to talk about generally how the financial markets work, the mistakes everybody's making, how Wall Street is taking advantage of them. And the second part, we'll show them exactly the process that we use and a little bit of information about our patent. Then we'll talk a little bit about using leveraged asset classes. It'll go by very, very quickly. And is there a chance for questions and answers Oh, afterwards? yeah. yeah, yeah well, they can ask me at the break. It's, it's very informal. I just want them to have the opportunity to see if what we do can help them out or not. Some people we can help, some people we can't. So what are you waiting for? Take advantage and come on in and enjoy that free OTA class today. Get a chance to meet Lance Strauss. Learn more about how you can get educated and gain your financial independence. To get more details and to sign up for your class, go to freeotaclass.com. That's freeotaclass.com or call toll-free 844-678-TRADE. That's 844-678-8723 to attend and get two free passes to their next class so you can check this all out. And don't forget, classes are available throughout the Bay Area in Foster City, Pleasanton, and in San Jose, no doubt one very near you. So don't delay. Get more information today. Go to freeotaclass.com. That's freeotaclass.com or call toll-free... 844-678-TRADE. That's 844-678-8723. Lance Strauss, Senior Instructor at Online Trading Academy San Jose. We appreciate you taking some time to come in. Thanks for the time. Nice to talk to you. Educate us. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.